Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? Week number 18. This is it. We were uh, eliminated shortly after. I think we were eliminated Sunday night when the... Packers beat the Vikings, so all that's left to do is beat Green Bay and then head into 2024. This is an offseason I know we're all looking forward to for one reason or another, whether it's to watch how Brian Poles is going to continue building around Justin Fields or what are we going to get for Justin Fields in a trade when we draft you know, Caleb Will in, or Drake May. It's something that I actually talk about with our guest, Evan Western, who is back because he was off getting married week one uh, prior to that football game. So he is back. First time we've talked to him in almost six or seven months at least uh, to find out uh, how he's felt about the season, how it's gone. Um, Basically, the Packer fans are ecstatic because Jordan Love has proven that they, you know, have another good quarterback on their hands and so on and so forth. So it's fine if he's good, but he can't be another Hall of Fame guy that's just going to dominate us for the next 15 years, I just don't think I could live through that. So Sunday is the first step in, in reversing that trend and at least turning this back into a rivalry again. And um, what's really interesting is that both teams are kind of peaking right now. We struggled early on. We were 2-7. and seven. They were 3-6. and six, And both teams have since gone 5-2 and two, uh, in the last seven games heading into this finale uh, in Lambeau on Sunday. So... Lots to talk about, plenty of news and notes. We even take a peek at what the schedule might look like, win or lose uh, on Sunday. And we got keys to the game, so let's go ahead and get it started. This is the Week 18 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. Hang up the telephone, I hear the dial tone, out loud Well, guys, we bitch all offseason about it, waiting painstakingly for it to get here. You know, the the NFL likes to keep us busy, you know, shortly after the Super Bowl, a couple weeks after that, you got the Combine, a couple weeks after that, free agency starts, uh, you know, then the free agency period gives way to the the draft season, basically, where, you know, a path to the draft is on NFL Network and uh, all that kind of stuff. Everything is all about the draft for the NFL from, like, mid-March to the draft itself at the end of April. And uh, then after the draft comes out, it feels like the offseason is over, you know, as far as, like, things that we need to care about. But the NFL went ahead and flipped a script on us a few years ago, and they released the schedule after the draft instead of before it now. So you have that a couple weeks into May, and then is what you guys have heard me refer to a million times as the vast wasteland that is the period between the draft and, or excuse me, the schedule release and the start of training camp. And even then, it takes a while for things to get exciting. Unless, of course, you were lucky like the Bears and guys start dropping like flies in training camp this year. So, yeah, 
But uh, uh, nonetheless, we got uh, uh, that's that's you know uh, you know, and it's, with the Bears winning five of their last seven, trending up on both sides of the football, we're likely we're unlikely to hear that Matt Eberflus has been let go. Uh, and unfortunately, I think we also might be unlikely to hear that Luke Getze has been let go. But I would really like to see someone else calling the plays uh, next year. But uh, I don't think we're going to get that wish in the in the vein of continuity. And they're just going to go ahead and keep building around Justin Fields' knock on wood. It's like the one good thing about Eberflus coming back is that I, I don't see the Bears pivoting to a brand-new quarterback while like if we're doing a you know let's say Ryan Poles is staying and I have no reason whatsoever for him to be let go but Ryan Poles is staying he gets a bite at this a second coach then it's like yeah we're probably getting rid of Justin and moving on with with Williams or May or Penix or whoever it is that Ryan Poles falls in love with uh during the uh you know draft process or whatever but uh you know we're keeping Eberflus so I think that's a good indication that we're probably sticking with Fields we could have him for up to three more years because we have his his fourth year of his contract next season in 2024. We could, you know, um, do the uh, um, opt-in for the fifth-year option, and then, God forbid, we could do, you know, we could franchise him for a year, which would be extremely expensive, especially at quarterback. But, you know, the Bears could technically hang on to Justin Fields for three more seasons. And if we get anywhere near the kind of draft capital that we can if we, in fact, do trade down uh, from number one again. You know, maybe we can ride it out with Justin Fields and, uh, you know, make our decision in 2025 or something uh, like that. So who knows? I mean, that's why I think we're all anxious to see how the offseason is going to unfold because uh, some of us might need to wrap our head around the idea of a uh, of plopping a rookie quarterback into the middle of, of what we've been building for the last couple of years. And uh, also the nightmare of watching Justin Fields become the guy that we knew he was all along somewhere else. So, yeah. But those are conversations we get to have after Sunday. This Sunday, up until this Sunday, he's ours no matter what. And uh, after that, then we'll worry about We'll cross that bridge when we get to it kind of thing. So, Let's go ahead and dive into news and notes, and uh, we'll start off with something I saw on Twitter uh, the other day. I'm still calling it Twitter. I don't care that its name is not Twitter anymore. Uh, And it was a what-if scenario, and the what-if scenario was, would you rather? It's like, would you rather Derrick Rose stays healthy or the Bears draft Patrick Mahomes? And I think I've touched upon this. Uh, in the past, and the answer is simple, and it's very easy, actually. Uh, Derek Rose stays healthy um, because if we're just dropping Pat Mahomes into the situation that Mitch Trubisky was dropped into, which is an offense, which is getting into a team that has a lame duck coach in John Fox with a, an extremely lame duck offensive coordinator in Dowell Loggins, with the offseason that Ryan Pace had going into that draft where he signed nobody of can anybody name anyone the Bears signed on offense in 2017 me neither and i was doing the show in 2017 so yeah that's you know you want to dump him in the middle of that now granted he is a far more gifted player 
than Mitch was, despite the fact that Mitch was basically number one on every draft expert's uh, rankings of the position. So, you know, he probably would have had more success, but probably not enough for John Fox to keep his job, which means Nagy comes in in 2018, uh, gets his wish, uh, and uh, plays with Mahomes, a quarterback he probably did want uh, when he was in Kansas City. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think I do not think that Pat Mahomes becomes future Hall of Famer Pat Mahomes uh, with his first year under Fox and Loggins or the remaining years under Nagy. I think we're still having the same discussions in 2020 or 2021 that we're having right now with Justin Fields. Like, wouldn't it be great if Pat Mahomes got somebody who would actually run the offense that he's like, capable of running or you know, would tailor the offense to what his what his players do well instead of forcing everyone into this, you know, square peg, round hole uh, offense, you know? And uh, I don't know. But if Derrick Rose stays healthy, Derrick Rose was a monster before he blew out his leg, his knee. And that knee lingered for the rest of his career in Chicago. And then he kind of became a journeyman, uh, you know, bouncing around from one team uh, to the next and everything, and, and playing well. He had a good career, had a good long career. And I don't know, is he still playing? I don't think he is, but nonetheless. But if he stays in Chicago, the Bulls probably do win a championship. As a matter of fact, it was game one of the playoffs where the Bulls were ranked, were the number one seed in the NFC, in the, NFC, in the, uh, in the Eastern Conference that year. And he goes down in game one. And the Bulls end up losing that game, getting swept by the eight seed in that round and never really recovered because as soon as Derrick Rose came back, he got hurt again. And as soon as he came back, wasn't long, he got hurt again. And yeah, if he stays healthy, who knows how that, how that all goes. But it's more likely that the Bulls are raising trophies than the Bears are with what Pat Mahomes would have got plopped into in 2017. So I don't know. It it just and and what we saw from the Bears in 2017, I mean I I watched a, a highlight reel the other day of the 2018 season, and it was the uh, you know the, uh, the the announcer for the game between the Bears and the Buccaneers where Mitch threw six touchdown passes said that Trubisky in 12 starts in 2017 threw seven touchdown passes he's thrown six today. Okay, so we might have gotten more out of uh, Pat Mahomes in 2018 when Ryan Pace went out there and, and, you know, spent the farm on everyone, traded for uh, Khalil Mack and everything. We may have been able to generate some more points and go on a run uh, in 2018. I think it's more likely he may have been ruined in 2017 before we got to 2018, or we would have spent 2018 undoing everything that Loggins and Fox did to him the year before. So... As far as long-term, what do I think would have been more successful? Derrick Rose staying healthy versus the Bears drafting Pat Mahomes. Just my two cents. Uh, Big news yesterday on uh, Wednesday, Tyler, excuse me, Montez Sweat and Jalen Johnson voted into the Pro Bowl. Outstanding. And uh, I guess this means that uh, we got to pay Jalen Johnson now. (laughs) But he still hasn't made those big plays. That I've been saying aren't worth twenty million, but you make a Pro Bowl, that kicks up the price a little bit. That's going to cost the Bears some. So hopefully, uh, 
you know, Ryan Pace can do some maneuvering and backload the contract or something so his salary cap hit is down uh, when we sign him. But it's it's going to cost the Bears now. So I never wanted him to leave, but that whole thing about him talking about how he's one of the best corners in the league and, and all that kind of stuff when he keeps dropping these plays that would prove that he's the best. <sighs> you make a Pro Bowl, that kind of all goes away. So he made the Pro Bowl, Montez Sweat. And his 12 and a half sacks made the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl snubs for the Bears. There are three that I can think of. Uh, one is TJ Edwards, who's, I think, second in the entire league in tackles right now. He's got three or four interceptions, maybe a sack or two uh, on blitzes, tackles for loss. The guy's had a monster season uh, for the Bears and has basically been, all due respect to everybody else, the most consistent player from day one. From day one, it's like when everybody else was playing like garbage, TJ Edwards was bringing it every single week. So it's disappointing that he didn't get the uh, didn't get the nod. But when the guys that did go are like Bobby Wagner and uh, um, from the Fred Warner from the 49ers, it's tough to crack that list. So um, the other one, obviously, DJ Moore, 92 catches, 1300 yards, eight touchdowns, all career. I think he's only got to catch like three or four more balls on Sunday, and he's got career highs in everything this season. Touchdowns, receptions, receiving yards, the whole smash. He did not make the Pro Bowl. And um, I know it's more than likely due to his injury, having missed about five or six games uh, this year, but Tevin Jenkins did not get voted into the Pro Bowl. So maybe next year if he can stay healthy for us, then you know he'll make the Pro Bowl where he deserves to be because he's easily one of the best interior blockers uh, in the NFC. So um, maybe also Cairo Santos, you know, had an outstanding year. The only field goal he missed in Chicago was that 55-yarder he was kicking into the wind in the middle of a snowstorm uh, in Chicago on Sunday. That's the only field goal he missed in Soldier Field all season uh, this year, and it was a it was a tough one at that. But the funny thing is, Yang Wei Koo missed a 50-yarder and Kairos missed his from 55. If he was kicking from 50, he makes that field goal. But nonetheless, uh, maybe Santos would probably be the other guy that I thought should have made the Pro Bowl that didn't. So four guys on the list, in my opinion. And for what, I don't know if the Bears aren't going to have alternates, but I can't find any alternates for the Bears. So it's like I keep reading all over Twitter. Uh, the Packers didn't have any Pro Bowlers, but they have five alternates. So I cannot believe that Jenkins or I mean, even, come on, TJ Edwards or, you know, Santos or, uh, you know, who was my other one? DJ Moore, come on. Can't believe these guys wouldn't be alternates or are the Bears just not announcing them? I, I don't know. But uh, maybe that will, maybe that's something that will flesh out over, over time. But for now, I can't find any announced alternates for the Bears. So it's just right now it's Montez and Jalen Johnson that are going to the Pro Bowl games because there's no such thing as the Pro Bowl anymore. It's the Pro Bowl game. So you get to watch them play dodgeball and tug of war and agility drills and all that goofy shit. But, you know, there's no Pro Bowl game anymore because it became a joke uh, over the years. Been a lot of guff going towards our rookie, Tyler Scott, uh, for the touchdown passes that he didn't score on Sunday against the Falcons. And the reason that I bring it up is that it seems to be an all-or-nothing kind of argument right now. And while I agree, 
especially the second one that he that hit him in the hands and everything that was there. Because the first one, he caught it. It's arguable whether or not he needed to jump up for it in the first place, but he got one foot down, could not bring the other foot down. So it didn't, you know, obviously was not a touchdown. But the one later on in the game, Justin throws an absolute dime of a pass that a kid could have closed his eyes, stuck his hands out, and Justin would have hit him right between the fingers. And it just, he didn't come down with it. It was a hard play. The defender was there. The defender didn't touch the ball, though. And, you know, like I said, it hit him right in both of his hands, extended the whole nine yards. He's got to come up with it. It's just, that's the job. That is the job. Those are the passes you got to catch. And, but people are talking about, like, because he's dropped those passes or didn't come down with those touchdowns that, well, he's trash. And, you know, that's like, and that's where I come down on this, where I'm saying, like, I'm not out on Tyler Scott. Not by any stretch of the imagination. We we haven't really used him this year. We haven't seen much of him because of Darnell Mooney still being here. Uh, you know, obviously Chase Claypool still being on the team early on in the season. Valus Jones would have been ahead of him in the depth chart at the beginning uh, of training camp and everything. And it's just we haven't seen that much of, of Tyler Scott. And unfortunately, a lot of what we've seen hasn't been good. The drop in in Detroit or the ball not being there when he kind of laid off the gas a little bit running the route, uh, you know, and the two, uh, you know, non touchdowns on on Sunday. He's just a rookie and we haven't been using him all that much, or at least we haven't thrown the ball to him much uh, if he's been out there. And, you know, if we're still talking about this a year from now, as far as like he can't come down with the ball and, you know, he's dropping wide open passes or, you know, this, he keeps stutter stepping on these routes and the ball, the ball's in the perfect place. If he keeps running the whole time kind of thing, then, yeah, maybe we can talk about moving on uh, from Tyler Scott. But I'm, I'm much more uh, interested in seeing what he's going to be like in 2024 because Darnell Mooney's not coming back, guys. We're going to lose him. And actually, we're not going to lose him. I don't. I doubt the Bears even call him during the offseason unless he's willing to take a significant uh, pay cut from what was being talked about before, like he would, him being in the uh, 10 to $12 million a year range. There's no way he's getting that from the Bears. That's not happening. Absolutely not happening. And f- I was like, I love Darno Mooney. The guy was, you know, he's been special. He's been important to us. But he's really fallen off these last two seasons. Last year, he lost, what, the six, last six, seven games of the year with that foot uh, injury. And and this year, he just uh, he hasn't been the same guy. And I know that we could probably blame, uh, blame Luke Getze for that uh, and, and what his role has been this year. And we all knew that he'd probably take a step back with DJ Moore being in there and him actually being the number two receiver instead of being, you know, Fields' best option at wide receiver last season, he got a lot of balls from from Fields, and his production still dropped a little bit. That's because we started running the ball a lot more last year. But, you know, this year with D.J. Moore out there, you figured that that, uh, that uh, Darnell would take off, you know, with people doubling D.J. Moore because they know what a threat he is. You figure that might open things up for him, and it just never happened. And, you know, the, the, the drop with Cleveland and, uh, and everything, it just, it's, it hasn't been a good season for him and a very important contract year for him. He's going to get paid and he's going to go somewhere else and play 
but the 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 big money extension that he was looking for from the Bears in the you know in the low teens or something like that that's not going to happen. So I, I anticipate Darnell Mooney being gone, which opens the door for Tyler Scott to play a bigger role in the offense next year. And I really like the combination. And knock on wood, it actually happens. DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison, Tyler Scott being our one-two-three. Uh, combination with guys like Valus and possibly Equinemius St. Brown and uh, everybody filling out the uh, filling out the, the the roster there. So, so yeah, the the people that are basically saying he's a bum, he's a bust, get rid of him, cut him. He's a fourth round pick, guys. We're not building around him uh, to begin with. He's a rookie. We haven't seen enough of him this season, or as far as like he hasn't gotten enough opportunities really to kind of get going or, or get an up, you know, get a rhythm going or anything like that. If we're still talking about this at this time next year, going into week 18 of 2024, then, yeah, probably going to be moving on from him or, you know, something else. But let's take it easy. He's coming back next year. We're going to see – I think we're going to see more of him, and that'll be good. Last couple of things. Tyreek Stevenson named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. He had two interceptions, five tackles, and four pass breakups against the Falcons uh, on Sunday. And for a guy who couldn't catch a cold butt naked in Siberia earlier on in the season, I mean, starting from the preseason through about midseason or whatever, the guy's catching everything in his direction uh, nowadays. So he's really improved uh, in that area and uh, is really looking like a solid, solid pick for the Bears this year uh, out of Miami in the second round. So congrats to him. Funny thing is, we're going up against the NFC Offensive Player of the Week on Sunday because that was Jordan Love, who went 24 of 33 for 256 and three touchdowns and a rushing TD uh, in their 33 to 10 smashing of the Vikings on uh, on Sunday. So that should be fun. And um, the last thing I want to talk about is the the 2024 schedule. Now that this will basically be set in stone come Monday, but I wanted to bring it up because there's a vast difference between what the schedule could look like if we win and what it could look like if we lose. Okay. The games that were guaranteed were at home. It's the NFC West and the AFC South next year. So Seattle, San Francisco, Arizona, the Rams uh, from the West, the Jacksonville, Tennessee, Indian Houston from the South. And then obviously uh, two games apiece against green Bay, Minnesota and Detroit. Now the home schedule will be um, Seattle, the Rams, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit. And then the same place games. And this, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. The, the away games were at San Francisco, Arizona, Indianapolis, Houston, obviously Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit. Those are the games that are set in stone. And then the final three games are the same place games that be decided by how we finish. Well, if we win on Sunday, I think the Bears will be in second place especially if Detroit beats Minnesota because then Minnesota will be 7 and 10, will have the tiebreaker over Green Bay, will be in second place and the difference between the same place opponents playing in second and the same place opponents in fourth is vast, okay? Now, the the who we play in second place, it'll be the AFC East will be the um the same place out of conference opponent. Like this year it was the Browns. And because it's who you play, it's the 
Um, it's the out-of-conference division that you played two years ago. So in 2024, that would be the 2022 uh, out-of-conference division, which was the AFC East. We played the Dolphins, the, the Bills, and so on. If we finish in second place, if we win on Sunday, the NFC East same-place opponent would either be the Eagles or the Cowboys, which will be decided on Sunday, the other NFC South, the other division that we're not playing is the NFC South. So the same place opponent from that division would either be Atlanta or New Orleans, possibly Tampa Bay, I guess, as you could also throw them in there. And then the same place opponent from the AFC East is going to be Miami or Buffalo. So, or if we lose and finish in last place in the division, it's Washington, Carolina, and New England, which seeing through the eyes of 2023 i take that schedule over the same place opponents in second place any day you know washington carolina new england we beat two of those teams this year and uh you know we stomped the patriots last season so yeah i'll take those three easy victories on the schedule there's your silver lining guys there's your silver lining if we lose on sunday we're in last place in the division. We got Washington, Carolina, and New England uh, in the uh, in the in the schedule as our same place opponents next year. So we'll be good. We'll be good. So silver lining, much easier schedule with the fourth place uh, finish. Um, but uh, we'll talk about it on Monday when we're doing the review and find out who the same place opponents uh, are going to be and and how the Bears fall into that. Uh, for next season. But I just thought it was really interesting looking at how different the schedule can look if the Bears win versus what can happen if we lose. So, all right, guys, that's all we got. Oh, wait a minute, the injury report. What am I doing? I didn't even bring up the injury report. It's always the top of the list, so maybe that's why I was screwing up here. Let me pull this up real quick. And um, it's not a long list, or at least nowhere near. You'll hear Evan and I talk about it here in a minute. Uh, the, the names on the list, I, like I was like, oh man, there are like seven, eight names on this list. And the Packers, there are 21 guys on the list. That's almost half the team. And uh, with the Bears, uh, Tyson Bajan's got some kind of bug. He's been suffering with an illness. He has, hasn't practiced yet this week. But, uh, you know, as I say, tis the season. Jalen Johnson hurt his shoulder in the game against the Falcons. He hasn't practiced yet. This week, I would really not like to go into this game without Jalen Johnson on Sunday, especially with the way that uh, Jordan Love's been throwing the ball. Uh, you'll hear me mention it talking to, to Evan. 16 touchdowns, one interception over his last seven games. We can't play this game. I mean, Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith will be fine, but we don't want our pro bowler to miss the game on Sunday. Speaking of which, Cole Komet, a guy who's had another outstanding season, was uh, was good on the votes. Let me pull that up. Actually, the what made it kind of suck that that so many so many guys didn't make the Pro Bowl was that uh, fan vote wise the uh, uh, we showed up for our guys. That's for sure. Because uh, yeah, with the uh, in the, well, we didn't have anyone for center, but free safety. Nope. Outside linebacker. Nope. Strong safety. Jaquan Brisker was third in the fan votes in the league in the league he was third because uh he was second in the nfc behind josh metellus 
Uh, special teams, nobody for the Bears. Punter, obviously nobody for the Bears. Guard, Tevin Jenkins was fourth. He would have he was second in the second in the NFC and fan voting behind Aaron Banks from the 49ers. Uh, cornerback Jalen Johnson was second in the NFL uh, and uh, just behind Chavarius West from the 49ers, so still second in the NFC. Um, Montez Sweat was fourth at defensive end behind Nick Bosa, Chase Young, and uh, Miles Garrett. Inside linebacker TJ Edwards was fourth. So Tremaine Edmonds didn't even crack the top 10. I thought that was interesting. Quarterback Justin Field was voted number 10 in the NFL, so that's cool. Uh, let's see, it would have been one, two, three, four, five, number five in the NFC. Uh, at tackle, we didn't, Adorno Wright was number nine in the fan voting. Tight end, Cole Komet was number six in the fan vote, and this is in the league, remind you. Uh, nobody at running back for the Bears. Kicker, Cairo Santos, number three. Defensive tackle, nobody for the Bears cracked the top ten. Fullback, Kari Blazengain was number six. Uh, in the NFs in the NFL, he was one, two, three, four in the NFC. Long snapper didn't crack the list. Return specialist, nope. And then wide receiver DJ Moore was number six behind Tyreek Hill, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jalen Waddle, and CD Lamb. So I think that makes him fourth in the NFC. So. But yeah, it's like the we showed up for the Bears. We 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 wanted to see our guys in the game, which is why I was disappointing that so few of them actually made it. But hopefully they will unearth some alternates and we'll be able to uh you know, maybe see some of our guys sneak in there when guys start falling out for either opting out or you know, somebody went to the Super Bowl or 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 what have you. But um anyway, Back to the injury list, Cole Komet, uh, with the knee injury that he got hurt in the Arizona game. He was extremely limited. He played a little bit against the Falcons uh, on Sunday. Didn't practice on Wednesday, was limited today on Thursday, so he's trending up. Uh, Darnell Mooney with the concussion that he suffered in the, I want to say the Arizona game, because uh, he didn't play last week against Atlanta, still hasn't practiced. He's still in, in protocol. DJ Moore's kind of been dealing with that ankle injury since like the Cleveland game has been limited in practice this week. Uh, Patrick Scales uh, injured his foot against the Falcons on Sunday. He hasn't practiced yet. We did sign a long snapper to the practice squad. Um, so I guess that's done in, in just in case uh, Patrick Scales can't go. And Khalil Herbert popped up on the injury list today with a, uh, with a back injury. He was limited uh, in practice. And, of course, Mercedes Lewis was resting today, so he did not practice. So, of course, he's on the injury list because he rested. So, there you go. So, there you have it, guys. There's your injury report. Now I'm done. Now we can get to myself and Evan Western talking for the first time since, like, early June to preview Bears-Packers Week 18 for all the marbles. Week 18, the finale of the 2018, 2018, what the hell am I saying? 2023 regular season, and we're going full circle. This game started with Bears and Packers at 325. 
And it's ending in week 18, Bears-Packers 325. And, of course, he missed us week one, but now he is the newlywed himself from Acme Packing Company, Evan. Welcome back, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, again, my my apologies that schedule conflicts uh, conflicted for, for week one, but, um, yeah, it's, that's a sorry, not sorry kind of situation. <laughs> Good, uh, you know. Getting getting off doing doing important things and yes in the personal life so um, yeah but uh, but yeah happy to happy to be here and uh, looking forward to to breaking down a game that has some pretty significant impacts obviously for for the Packers this weekend well you know we wondered when we talked back in the in the summer uh, over six months ago now um, mm. would this game mean something would this game mean anything. Um, because neither one of us really knew what to expect from our teams going into it. We knew what we as Bear fans knew the potential of what could happen. Uh, we were very excited about the, 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 the pieces that we added in free agency, the draft choices and, and, and all that kind of stuff. An, another year under in the offensive system, so they'll be running it instead of learning it this season and all that kind of stuff. Where, you know, first season under uh, with Jordan Love as the – as the quarterback, young you know, young receivers uh, out there, you know, basically do brand new tight ends yeah. uh, for you. Um, offensive line with is Bakhtiari going to play? Is he coming back? Is he in or is he out? Uh, and all that kind of stuff. And you guys kind of went through the same thing with us as far as injuries with the offensive line uh, as well. But uh, you know, here we are, week eighteen. You're eight and eight. We're seven and nine. Both of us got off to really bad starts. And have really kind of come on in the last, you know, eight weeks or so. You guys have a shot at the playoffs right now. And it's Bears, it's Packers, Lions all over again. It's at Lambeau, winning you're in, losing you're out. And, you know, your opponent's already out. So all they have to play for is keeping you out of the playoffs. Yeah, it does feel... um... Yeah, it's it's certainly very similar to, to last season in that respect. And, you know, last year kind of the same thing happened in week seventeen. Packers blew out the Vikings to to set up that win and in scenario in week eighteen. Right. You know, last year was was in Green Bay, this year was uh in Minnesota on, on Sunday night. But um kind of a, a it does feel like, you know, history is is setting itself up to to offer up a, a possibility to repeat itself at least. But um I don't know, man. There's there's such a different feel, I think, about this this Packers team. Just the youth, the the potential that this offense has in particular, um, especially since like week ten or so, Packers fans are are super jazzed about Jordan Love. Um, I think the question has changed from, you know, is there a chance he's going to get a second contract? To okay, when might he get a second contract? To okay, how much are the the Packers going to give him this off season? Because he has shown, you know, this this whole second half of the season season that he is absolutely the guy um and, and between you know the games he put up and wins over the lions and the chiefs um you know even some some really good performances these last couple of weeks when the defense has really let the team down um and, and certainly culminating on Sunday with maybe his best game of the year against Minnesota. I think he's answered the questions that, that Packers fans needed him to answer in terms of um, seeing that development over the course of his first season as a starter and, and really seeing him take control of the offense with, like you said, such a young group of receivers and tight ends, um, really taking on that leadership role, taking on more of the responsibility and the protections on the off, uh, for the offensive line, 
and just doing everything that you would hope to to see a young quarterback do. And also, he doesn't seem like he's crazy, so that's that's yeah, a bonus. That is, um, uh, you know, yeah. Jerry's out. We didn't think Aaron Rodgers was crazy back in 2008 either. So you know, we'll see where that goes. But um, yeah, here we yeah. are. Apparently, there's uh, according to Justin Fields, there's nothing left to do but watch football in in uh, in Green Bay, and I think Aaron Rodgers is sole proof <laughs> of that because all he's done is like bite his nails and look at conspiracy theories uh, while he was uh, laid up in in Green Bay, waiting for the next game to start. So, uh, yeah, now he's now he's accusing Jimmy Kimmel of being a, a close bosom buddy of oh Jeffrey Epstein gosh. and all kind of stuff, and you know it's. It's just like I don't want to be political, but it's very much like Donald Trump, where you just like Aaron, shut up, man. Just get off Twitter. Stop talking. Just go away. You know, just wait for next season to start, bro. Just stop. Just get out of your own way. And it's just every time the guy's in front of a microphone, he says something crazy. And this is why I was so excited to just move on after last season and, and into this off season. And uh yeah, it's it's my sanity has been, you know, a, a lot better this this year, not having to put up with, you know, oh, great. What's he going to say on McAfee this Tuesday? Yeah. Um, and at least not having to, to focus on that or, or pay it much attention. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys have been through your own kind of roller coaster yep. uh, over there and, in, 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 you know, starting by coming to Chicago and, and annihilating us and um we were talking a bit uh, before we started recording about what that day was like, and <laughs> it was it was a huge gut punch. And, and and I've said this on the show before, and I said it to you a few moments ago. It was like 2019 all over again. We had that great 2018 season, and 2019 was going to be the next step. We were not only going to make the playoffs, we were going to make a run and finish what we started uh, the year before. You're, you know, we're we're kicking off the season. The Super Bowl champ didn't even get to kick off the season that year. It was us, uh, you and you know yep. the Bears and the Packers. Sunday, you know Thursday night football in Chicago, the whole world watching. Here we go, and <sighs> ten, <laughs> 10 to friggin' three, and that was the game. I will go to my grave saying that's the word. Mitch lost his mojo. Yeah. Like that game didn't go anywhere anywhere near the way he thought it was going to go, and he never really seemed to recover from how badly that night went. Um, And the only thing that was different from that game to this one is that in the first game in 2019, at least our defense played championship-level football. It's just that our offense never showed up. Three points. Because if I told you that we were going to sack Aaron Rodgers five times, he was going to throw for 140 yards, you were going to rush for less than 40 yards in that football game, but you'd win. Would you believe me? Absolutely not. And that's exactly what happened. Our defense just beat the crap out of you guys. We gave up one lousy touchdown, and it was more than we could handle offensively uh, to come from behind. <laughs> the The one that made it worse this year was that not only did we get beat up front on offense, you guys dominated us as well on the other side of the ball. And, and uh, you know... That's what made it so hard to watch was to watch us not only get outcoached, but to get outplayed in the trenches on both sides uh, of the ball. It's like, you know, Aaron Jones 
was here in the beginning, then we had success, and then the rest of the first half was like, where's Aaron Jones? It's like, well, then Aaron Jones shows up in the second half, and it was like, yeah, can he go back to being whatever he was doing before? <laughs> you know, because like three plays, two touchdowns, 150 yards of offense, or whatever astronomical number it was. It's like, yeah, can we go back to where's Aaron Jones, please? <laughs> yeah, that was uh... – it's 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 funny that that day was such a, a roller coaster for me. That was the day I got back from from our trip for the wedding. We were supposed to be back on Saturday. Um, we had weather delays coming home, and so we didn't fly back until Sunday morning. Mm. And so that that day was still very much a blur um, for me. And I'm trying to think back to exactly, you know, I, I feel like I almost didn't. Uh, enjoy it like I would normally enjoy a game like that against the Bears just because sure. there was just sort of such that that exhale from all the travel and, and all the hassle of that um, but but yeah I just remember the the feeling in that game of okay maybe Jordan Love is the guy and obviously there was no um, you know you hadn't seen it for for any length of time at that point and he went through a lot of growing pains over the next seven eight weeks or so um but the flashes were there yeah. and and aaron jones was healthy and and a, a focal point of the offense uh both in the you know in the run and the pass games and um it, it felt like really the you know the the a, a start of a new era and and so far you know now that we've seen sort of the second half of this season you know that that as kind of it, it's it might be how we look back at that game in as Packers fans um, again leading into just a little bit of struggles that that Jordan Love has come out of since then yeah I mean and if any and if the season is any indication we, we thought the NFC North was wide open this year um, <laughs> next I think year's it's going to be crazy next year <laughs> you know because you guys are trending up we're we look like we're trending up and obviously Detroit was who we thought they were as far as yep. like being the team to beat in the division. It's all that's left is for Minnesota to figure out its quarterback situation and maybe they're going to be maybe we're going to be the uh the AFC North where all four of us might, you know, at one point all four teams in the AFC North were going to the playoffs. Maybe right. that'll be us next year with with how crazy it's going to be. And and somehow every one of those teams was like, oh, we're, you know, three or four games over 500 or somehow. It's not like it's because the rest of the conference is weak. That's how we're in this thing. It's like, no, we're just better than everybody else uh, kind of thing. So, um, you know, it was like we thought this thing was wide open this year and anything can happen. Next year could really be something. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. And obviously Packers can can put a, an early statement up uh, this Sunday and, and – potentially get a get a playoff spot here and i don't know i mean I, I if you ask me if this team can make some noise in the playoffs i think it all it would really all depend on the matchup that they could potentially get um i don't like the way they match up with like dallas in the dome for example mm. um just the 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 way that teams have eaten the packers up in the middle of the field um on on defense um and some of the things that the teams have done on the slot against the the joe barry defense you know that that worries me with a guy like cd lamb right but um you know packers get detroit in in round one you know that's a that's a game the packers took it to them on thanksgiving day and um i think there's there's a possibility there they could you know maybe actually make a little noise now then there's the joe barry factor and we can talk about that too but uh sure yeah, because I'm hoping that I, Joe, Joe Barry is very Joe Barry on Sunday. That would be fantastic uh, yeah, for me. I, so. And if if the Joe Barry defense that showed up against 
the Giants and uh, gosh, Tampa, um, given given Baker, you know, a perfect uh, perfect passer rating at Lambeau, and and even giving Bryce Young a, a career game two weeks ago, yeah. and and still finding a way to pull that win off. Um, yeah, if that Joe Barry shows up. Um, yeah, Packers are going to be in for a real long day, and you know I think his job goes right back to to being on the hot seat, if not you know a, a fait accompli that he's gone. I don't think the the performance on Sunday against Minnesota should change anything. I think he probably should be gone at the end of the season, regardless of what happens, what happened in that game, and what happens on Sunday. Uh-huh. Um, just because you've seen the you've seen average to mediocre to actively bad quarterbacks eat this defense up at times this season. Um, somebody put it best on Twitter. I think it was I, I can't remember who it was, but they said, you know, Joe Barry's defense is the one that will somehow hold Patrick Mahomes to like 175 yards, a touchdown and two picks, but will let guys like Bryce Young you know, get 300 total yards and, and eat it up. And um, it all kind of has to do with, you know, how they defend the middle of the field, how they don't really account for the run very well. Um, And I think they just got a a good matchup with a Vikings team that, you know, didn't have a quarterback and didn't really have a run game last week. So I, uh, I think I am very much at this point, I'm, I tend not to be that guy, but I'm absolutely on the, Joe Barry needs to find a new job this offseason, and sure. uh, the Packers need need a new answer there at, at that spot. Yes, I'm I'm very much in that mode with Luke Getze. Yeah, uh, everyone is talking about how that you know it looks like Eberflus is coming back, and and I don't hate that, but uh, I do if that means Getze's coming back too. I, I just I I've, I've seen more than enough from Getze to know that he's not going to use Justin Fields properly, and yeah. that uh, you know. As for for all of Fields' failings through you know throughout the three years that he's been uh, our quarterback, he hasn't had a play caller that's actually used him the way that he could be maximized uh, mm-hmm. yet. So um, yeah, for everything that he hasn't done well, it's only been amplified by the fact that they're trying to turn him into you know, and everyone says they're trying to turn him into Aaron Rodgers because our play caller came from Green Bay. So. <laughs> You know, it's like, or maybe there's always the conspiracy theorists. So, like, Luke gets he's working behind the scenes through the Bears, man. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I, I do have to ask, though. We haven't talked sure. all season, really. And, you know, what is the prevailing opinion on Justin Fields? I mean, the Bears are going to have the number one pick, right? Yep. Um, you know, going to have their pick of, of Caleb Williams, Drake May. Um, Marvin Harrison try to, Jr. Try to trade back for, for Harrison. Like, I... I I, I need to I need to get your your vibe here on on well, fields I'm, because I'm a fields guy you know yeah. I'm I'm definitely a fields guy I was a fields guy long before uh, we ever got our hands on him you know it seemed like he was a fantasy that we would land somebody uh, like him and um you know uh, a few weeks ago I didn't have a leg to stand on making that <laughs> uh, making that proclamation saying that I wanted to be fields and that's all there is to it and blah 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 and. You know, I mean, even still, even with the way that Justin's played over the last six weeks, uh, people are still saying the Bears, Bears would be nuts to pass on Caleb Williams. And and I will admit, I didn't watch him play a down last year, but in the four or five games that I saw him play this year, I don't want him. Yeah. I don't want him. I saw him play that game against Notre Dame. I was like, this is what it's going to look like in the NFL. When you've got guys breathing down your neck and here they come, this is what he does when he's under pressure. He's throwing interceptions and everything all over the place. It's like it's going to set the Bears back 
three years waiting for this guy to come, you know, and, and everybody makes it sound like he's the second coming of, of Peyton Manning. He's just going to be the, the guy that you could just plug him in and boom, we're off to the races. And I don't believe it. I don't believe it. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where things go at the top of the draft because mm. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that NFL teams are going to prefer May over Williams at this point. Sure. Just as the kind of prototypical, big armed pocket passer um i don't know i think that 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 archetype is something that nfl teams right or wrong have have loved for for decades for for basically you know since the passing game became you know the the focal point of of offenses in the nfl and so i don't know i i I don't think to to me going drafting Caleb Williams doesn't really give you anything that different from Justin Fields. Right. There, there's a similarity, I think, to the styles that they play with. Um, I think if if they went, you know, if they wanted more of the the traditional pocket passer, I think May gives them that. Guy. And absolutely, yeah, yeah. And so I, I think that that's going to be a really interesting thing to follow. Um, you know, as we as we go through draft season and and obviously all the all the rumors and misinformation they're going to that will be coming. Um, yeah, and I'm months, sure that so. there will be lots. And I, and I mentioned it on Twitter a week or two ago that, um, you know, I think it was the, the post had something to do with Ryan Poles not knowing what he wanted to do. Like the decision still hasn't been made. And uh, somebody, may, you know, and, and here begins the civil war between, you know, in Bears Twitter. And I was like, yeah, and every move that Poles makes during the offseason, each side will say this is a move for their side. And here's why yeah. that this is one for the Caleb Williams side. Here, this is why it's for the Justin Fields side. It's like so when the season's over, I might disappear from Twitter for a while because <laughs> I was like, I just I don't want to be a part of it. It's like I I have Evan, I have no doubt whatsoever that I could be way more popular than I am if I engaged. I just don't have the energy or the patience to get into these Twitter fights with with people online. I just I don't have. I understand. I you know, understand that 100%. <laughs> it's like I have no idea that I could be doubling, tripling, quadrupling my downloads if I got into the muck with some of these people. I just I can't do it. I can't. I, I just don't. Have, it's like, no, I just yep. I, I can't. So but <laughs> to answer your question, I think that especially after last week's performance where he quite possibly played the best game of his career uh, against the especially throwing the ball which has kind of always been his biggest question mark. He sat in the pocket. He threw lasers. Sometimes the receivers caught him. Sometimes they didn't. But, you know, he basically threw one in, in DJ Moore's hip pocket. Uh, he put one in just the perfect spot for, for Tyler Scott. But, unfortunately, he dropped it in the end zone. You know, hit him right in the hands. He could not have thrown a better ball. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. he, didn't come, he didn't come down with it. But I'm, I'm on, I'm, but I'm on the side in Bears Twitter that isn't asking for Tyler Scott to be tarred and feathered in the public square because he dropped the touchdown pass. You know, it's more like he's a rookie. He struggled like a rookie. I'm anxious to see what he's going to look like next year when he's getting more time because we're not bringing Darnell Mooney back next year. So he'll get more playing time next year in Darnell Mooney's spot. So I'm anxious. If he's still doing that stuff next year, then, yeah, I mean, we can talk about sending him elsewhere. But right now it's like, all right, everybody just calm down. He hasn't gotten that many chances, and the one he got on Sunday, he, he didn't come down with a big deal. But – you know, you know the, the the chance. I'm sure you heard about it. We want Fields. We want Fields after after the game, yep. during the game, uh, and all that kind of stuff. It definitely tipped the scales. It's been leaning more that way since he came back from the injury. 
which I was terrified about because our first game back from injury was Detroit, in Detroit. It was our first game against the Lions, and the Lions were playing some of their best football at the time. And I was like, yeah, don't bring them back against Carolina on (laughs) Thursday night. The worst football team in the league, a team where you can afford to make a few mistakes and survive. No, go put them up against the best team in the division right now, arguably one of the better teams in the conference at the moment, and throw him to the Wolves on the road. Let's see how that goes. And I'll be damned if he didn't play outstanding and has pretty much done that since he, uh, since he came back. He's been a lot more consistent than he was uh, last year as far as throwing the ball and, uh, and everything. He still makes some mistakes. He still you know, fumbles it from time to time. But overall, he's not killing us like he was last year. Right. So it wasn't a feast or famine thing where he either runs it for 60 yards or he's throwing it incoherently somewhere and, uh, and things like that. So, and if we could just get Lou Getze to stop calling screen plays and let Justin throw the ball down the field, I think we'd be a lot further along than we are at this point. So, well, I mean, I, 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 my, my wife is an Ohio state grad. We watched a lot of Justin Fields games um, because we live here in, in, in the Columbus area. Right. And I mean, that was always his strength pass in the football was, was, taking the deep shot he has yeah. a, he has a pretty deep ball so i i hear it yeah it's it, it's going to be fascinating from you know to watch that from uh you know from a rival team's perspective to right. see you know to see what happens um knowing that you know we we've we've gone through a very different sort of kind of quarterback evolution over the years yeah well let's talk real quick about the roller coaster you guys have been on mm-hmm. uh this year you started about as well as you possibly can by kicking the unholy crap out of us uh, in our own building on uh, on mostly national TV, um, you know, just kind of murdering our hopes once again. And uh, thank you, Aaron Rodgers, for inserting yourself into the rivalry <laughs> one more time by, gotta, you know. Got to say something, right? Like passing over the lease to, uh, of ownership to Jordan Love. Thank you very much for that, Dick. And then week two, you guys go to Atlanta. Looks like you're. Like, okay, here we go. Three, you know, what, three more touchdown passes from Jordan Love, a big lead early on, but then the defense collapses there in the fourth quarter, and it's like, what happened in that week? In that week, I should say. I mean, that was pretty much it. The The defense, the, Atlanta figured out something with the run game with Algier and, and B. John Robinson. They split Robinson out a ton in the slot, not wide. Packers had no answers for um, – for that alignment and they just worked their way back in the game and, and, and found a way to pull one off. Um, and, and then, you know, Packers kind of did the same thing in reverse the the next week coming home with, uh, with the saints and everybody was joking about those two games, right? That, you know, you figure the way those two games went, the Packers should have been one and one, but you would have thought that they would have won the game in Atlanta and lost the game in, in New Orleans, just based on kind of the flow of those two games. Right. Then the Thursday night game against Detroit, uh, happens where, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I was happy for David Montgomery that he finally f- learned what it felt like to beat Green Bay. Um, you know, didn't he, he did very well. It was not a very good game for you guys, especially in the trenches. Not Detroit just dominated you guys uh, up, up and up, down, left and right in that, in that one. Yep. Then the Vegas game on Monday night. That This is where it began where I couldn't figure you guys out. Yeah. Because I've been running a pick'em league with my listeners this year, and I have had the hardest time with about three or four teams. Whenever I go left, they go right. When I zig, they zag, and Green Bay was that team, one of those teams for me. 
this year where I think just where, okay, we're a month into the season. I think I've got this team figured out. Then you go to Vegas and lose on Monday Night Football. It's like, all right, I, I, I don't know what's happening now. I, I, don't, I don't get what's going on. And this was a trend that kind of continued. You go to Denver after the bye and lose again. And then not only do you lose to Minnesota, you kind of get run off your own field. So for the second time, a division opponent has beat you up in your own building, and it's like, all right, so I guess they're, they're what, 2-5 and five now? So I guess yep. Green Bay's done. You know, I, was like, I guess they were, you know, just a week one champion, and then, or, the, or as Kyle Brandt likes to say, week one liars. They're, week one is a liar, so the Packers mm-hmm. were liars week one. But <laughs> then you beat the Rams – you barely lose to the Steelers, and then three in a row against the the Chargers, the Lions, and the Chiefs. And I'm like, and again, I'm sitting here like I I, I don't know what's happening. I, I don't, I cannot figure this yeah. team out for the life of me. So we we were Justice Mosqueda and I, my my co editor over at Acme Packing Company. Um, we do our recap podcast. Usually it's Sunday night, you know, immediate re- reactions to the game, and. After that Rams game, you know, you're looking at at Pittsburgh, home for the Chargers, at Detroit, home for the Chiefs. Four games, you're sitting at three and five. You know, we joked about what's what's a realistic scenario here for for a record in in those four games. And the best thing we could come up with is one and three, probably. Like you 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 take one you shouldn't from you know, from the Steelers or Chargers, you know, split those two one and one, and then you're looking at zero and two. And at that point, if if that goes that way, Packers are four and eight, and staring down the barrel of, do we need to have a conversation about Matt Lafleur's job? Right. And instead, um, they figured some stuff out against Pittsburgh um, a little bit late in that game. I think offensively, just that that first seven games or so. This team was so damn young. I'm going to come back to this all the time, thinking back to this season, was the Packers have no receivers with more than more than one year of NFL experience coming into this year. It's all first and second year guys. The only guy, I think Josiah DeGuara, the like third string H-back tight end, has three years of experience or something. Everybody else is either a rookie or a second year guy. So I think it took a ton of time for them to figure out their crap out i mean there were guys running wrong routes there were there were multiple guys running the same route on the same play and and ending up with you know with two receivers in the same place um and it just the miscommunications and things just just killed this offense in those that first half of the season and i think things starting to straighten out against pittsburgh and since then it's been a totally different offense um they've been using players more effectively in, in better roles. I think one of the things that we talked about early on, the Packers drafted two tight ends in this year's class. Mm-hmm. Perfect time to, to invest in that position, right? Especially when they basically didn't have any bodies there anyway. So they drafted Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. Big, tall, lanky, runs like a giraffe. Um, you figure he's going to be the the detached um, receiving type. And then Tucker Kraft, this you know big, burly dude, really great athlete, but strong as an ox out of South Dakota State. You figure he's your inline guy. And they were committed to making Musgrave the every-down tight end in the first half of the season. I think Kraft just needed time to absorb the playbook and, and demonstrate that he knew his assignments and knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because when Kraft went out – I'm sorry, when Musgrave went out um, – 
midseason, I think it was the Chargers game, he had suffered like a lacerated kidney or something, which is horrible. Um, All of a sudden, all right, well, they've got no chance but to put Tucker Craft in there as the the inline tight end. And he's been unbelievable since that point. Um, He's given them a totally different dimension as a blocker. He's been hurdling guys. Um, he's, He's a yak machine. And they were doing a lot of... Packers love to do these little... You know, flat routes to the tight end on short yardage and, and trust them to turn up field and pick up yards after the catch. That's not Musgrave's game. You should be targeting him down the seam um, and just ha- having to make athletic catches and things. Kraft is the guy you want running people over. And so I think when they kind of figured out, wait, Kraft is the guy we need to be running these plays to, that helped the offense. Um, they started to finally settle in a little bit with um, understanding, you know, what to do without Aaron Jones on offense because he's missed a bunch of time this season yeah. too. Um, and that's been maybe the biggest difference these last two games is he's been back to old Aaron Jones, good Aaron Jones again um, these last two games. And I, I think all of that kind of came together to, you know, to rip off this, this last streak that they've been on of what five, five wins in the last seven games. And I mean, again, a couple of them against really good teams is the young playmakers are are coming on and they're they've they've gone through their kind of hard knocks in the first half of the season now they've got that experience they understand the playbook they they're not making those mental mistakes that they were making the first two months and the offense is completely different for it and and obviously in a positive way for the Packers yeah and after you guys go on this run you've won three in a row you beat Detroit on the road you Mm. beat Kansas City uh at home then you continue to screw me over in the Pick'em games. I put it was, I forget how many points it was, but it was like the second highest point total because we were doing confidence points as yep. well. So not only did I pick you to beat the Giants, I went heavy on the Packers to beat the Giants. It's like, okay, you just beat Kansas City at home on the heels uh, of beating Detroit on national TV, and it was 29-22, but the game was never that close. Right. You know, you guys dominated pretty much from the outset, and the only thing that aggravated me about that was, uh, and I talked to Jeremy Reisman about this, is like, you know what? The exact same thing that we did to you, they did to you, only you didn't come back on them. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Appreciate that. So, you know, it couldn't just be the resilience of the Lions. It had to be an epic collapse on the on the on the part of the Bears. It's like, it could just be like, this is what they do. They get behind late, early, then they come back late. No, you had a chance to do it against Green Bay, and you didn't, you bastards. But then, you hear you are, the Giants, Monday Night Football. You got Tommy Gobblegool out there as the quarterback oh for the Giants, and we're, all we're hearing about is his, his whole friggin' extended Italian families in the, in the stands and, and all that kind of stuff. And you let this kid go on a drive at the end to set up a game-winning field goal. I almost broke my goddamn television when that field goal went good. I was like, all right, that's it. I give up. I absolutely <laughs> give up. I was confused before. I'm lost now. I give up on the Packers. I I just couldn't believe it. That that's the that was the Joe Barry game, right? And and somehow the Packers had no pass rush in that game. Um, every single 
like every time they would get pressure on DeVito, it would be, you know, the edges would collapse and he would just scramble up the middle for 15 yards. Um, I, I cannot remember a game where I have been more livid with the performance of the Packers pass rushers um, just because the, the Giants had a ton of injuries on the offensive line. Yeah. Rashawn Gary should have had five sacks in that game, like just based on the matchups and and the fact that Tommy DeVito was back there and, and had been sacked like seven times a game in his last three starts <laughs> or something like that. And they didn't sack him once and they let him get NFC player of the week. Um, and, and that was the, okay, wait, that's right. Joe Barry's actually bad at his job reminder game. Um, and then he, he did it again two weeks in a row, the next, the next two, um, and just, and the Giants game was one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. The only reason the Packers really, um, had a chance to, to come back down and actually take the lead 22, 21 late was because Saquon Barkley trips over his own feet and fumbles the ball, uh, as he's going to the ground without any contact. And the Packers, you know, pick, scoop it up and return it 50 yards down into the red zone. Um, if not for that, like the Giants was assaulted that game away. You know, 10 minutes earlier right? Um, and just a, a series of weird, weird things that happened throughout that game um, that it's just objectively speaking, like if you ever want, want just to see the, the, the absurdity that football can be, that's a good, good game to pull out. Oh, for sure, bro. For sure. Oh my God. I mean, and, and it was the, the, it was, you know, speaking of your, uh, your next opponent, because we already talked about how Baker Mayfield had a perfect oh passer God. rating uh, against the Packers, threw for four touchdowns, and uh, yeah, it was just, that was the, like, you know, I, I actually picked the Tampa Bay to win the game, but I didn't think that they would come in and roll you guys. Is, is no. it just been, is it, are you guys bad at home this year, or <laughs> is, I'm, I'm asking, seriously, is like, are you bad at home, because i like I was just looking um, at our like records and, and things like that, trying to figure out like if the Bears win this weekend, we jump from fourth up to second, you know. And the funny thing is the yeah. the 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 Vikings are two and six at home this year, you know. And the Bears yeah. started zero and three and then won our last five, so we finished with a really nice five and three record. But we're two and six or two and five, two and six or whatever it is on the road. Yeah, two and six right now. Uh, on the road, and so you know, it's it's been that kind of bizarro land where people can't figure out how to win at home, and you know, and things like that. Is are are you guys a five hundred team? I'm not really. I haven't done the math yet to see where you yeah, guys are at with that. I think we're sitting, Packers are sitting at four and three at home right now. Okay. So so yeah, win win would keep them above, above five hundred for for the season uh, on Sunday. But I, that that game was another Joe Barry masterclass in you know not really understanding that uh, you know. That that was the one where the slot stuff that I mentioned earlier came up. You know, they they spent all this time, I guess, preparing for Mike Evans and making sure Mike Evans didn't kill them and and that the you know they could control the the Buccaneers' run game. And then they let Chris Godwin just completely eat him alive over the middle on crossers and and stuff out of the slot. So that's. Um, I think that's what it what boils down to. I think Godwin had like ten catches for 150 or something like that, um, and and just a just a mess of of a defensive game plan and performance, um, just just as a, as a whole. And and again, then Barry goes out and basically does the same thing um, the against next week, Carolina against Bryce Young of all people, who has 
I, I gosh, I, I need to look up what his average passing yards per game is because I'm sure it's absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Um, and you know, he goes out and throws for 300 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and, and wins NFC player of the week. Or if he didn't, he was probably in the running at least. Um, I swear, like, I don't, I don't, I don't care what Joe Barry does in this game. The Packers can, you know, sack Justin Fields seven times and win thirty-eight to three. Mm-hmm. I am still going to be convinced that Joe Barry needs to be fired. Yeah. The the about the only thing that would would save his job for me is if the Packers go on somehow you know win this game go on some some deep playoff run and it's the defenses you know that that is the one leading the charge right anything else um, anything short of that he's got to go it's it, the experiment has run its course he has done this too many times where we think okay he's figured it out against good offenses in Detroit and in Kansas City and then he lays three stinkers in a row against you know crappy quarterbacks yeah it just seems like if if you figured joe barry out you really figured him out exactly yep yeah they find a hole in the offense he just and for whatever reason he can never figure out how to fill it back up yep the hole just keeps getting deeper uh when you're when he's calling the uh when he's when he's been figured out yeah and it's not you know the packers have had injuries on defense um but it's not like those games were defined by any one particular injury or player absence or something like that. I mean, they've been dealing with Jair Alexander being out most of the year. They've been dealing with Darnell Savage and Eric Stokes and, you know, the linebackers rotating in and out with Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell being in and out of games. So it's not like they haven't dealt with injuries during the portion of the season where they were actually winning games. Um, So you can't blame it on that. I think you, you just have to, bring it down to scheme and the coordinator and, and he just, you know, he will, he will have those stretches where they will lose games. They shouldn't because the defense can't figure it out. And, and you can just Madden spam one play call or, or one concept <laughs> that works and they can't find an answer for it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So both of us should be in different spots than we're in right now <laughs> because Everything else being equal, the Bears have blown three fourth-quarter leads this year. Three double-digit fourth-quarter leads. We blew the first one against Denver uh, in week four when we were fighting to not be the last team with uh, zero wins uh, in the league. Um, That was where I wanted to find Luke Getze and cut him into small pieces (laughs) because they were – and it's actually what got Justin Hurt in the Minnesota game – Whereas, like, we've got a play where we know we have a free rusher coming from the snap of the ball. He's coming absolutely, it was either called him naked or he called him dirty, whatever the term was. Like, this is, you know, this guy's naked, here he's coming, and this is what you need to do in order to to get rid of the football or blah, blah, blah. And it was that kind of play where Fields got rushed, the ball got knocked out of his hands, they scooped it up and tied the game uh, in, in Denver. And... Instead of God for God, you know, for all of Matt Nagy's faults, he was the first guy to say, you know what, that's on me. I got to fix that. I got to do a better job of coaching him up uh, on that one and blah, 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 to make sure that something like that never happens again. You know what Luke Getzey said? This is a learning experience for Justin. <laughs> oh, boy. It's like, this is where I wanted to find my shotgun shells and go find this guy and show him. It's like, what? What? He's like, and his example 
was that earlier in the game, the same thing happened. And Justin Fields made the – the problem was that he didn't drop deep enough. He was supposed mm-hmm. to be at 10 yards. He was only at seven, and that's why the rusher was in his face from the moment and he didn't get rid of the football and all that kind of stuff. And, and the play that he uh, used in an example played right into my hands about how much of an idiot this guy is because, number one, it was on the goal line. We're at the two-yard line. Okay, number, And the first thing that happened was we did a play fake, and the, and the free guy froze on the play fake to see if Khalil mm-hmm. Herbert had the football. And that's why Justin Fields was able to get to his depth and avoid the guy when he came, number one, because he had to stop, and number two, he had to start running again, and Justin Fields had the time to see him coming and avoid him and find Khalil Herbert in the end zone for a touchdown eventually. On the actual play that's supposed to be some kind of learning experience, that guy was coming no matter what. They, we, it was the same thing. We did a play fake. He did not budge on the play fake. He just kept coming. So whether Justin was at 7 yards, 10 yards, or 20, that linebacker was going to be up his ass the second he turned around. And sure enough, he was. Ball gets knocked out. You know, it's like, how about we, you know, I don't know, audible out of that or have Khalil <laughs> Herbert run into him to slow him down because we're throwing the ball. So what the hell difference does it make when the play fake comes nothing and it was the same thing that happened when Justin Fields you know got hurt there was a free guy coming we didn't do anything to account for him the guy came through Justin Fields being the guy he is tried to turn chicken you know what and the chicken salad on the play tried to get rid of it and avoid the sack came down awkwardly on the thumb and then we end up missing him for four and a half games so yeah you want Barry out I want Getsy out let's uh (laughs) Let's put a petition together and make it happen because I don't want anything to do with this guy after this season. And people are like, yeah, you know, if you're bringing Eberflus back, you got to bring back Getzi and keep the continuity. He's like, no, no, <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. So, yeah. So it's going to be real interesting when the Bears have the football on Sunday. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. It is 100% because just listening to this conversation, you'd have to think that it was duh against duh on, on you yeah. know, when those two units are on the field uh, together, you know. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's one of those matchups where our strength and our weaknesses cancel each other out. You know, it's like our, our defense is, you know, the better of the two units right now. Your offense is humming because I, I read somewhere earlier today that in the last six games or something like that, Jordan Love, 16 touchdowns, one interception, you know, over the last six or seven games, you know, and yep. he's including, what, three or four against the uh, Vikings uh, on Sunday. So, you know, he's playing his best football at the moment. We have something we didn't have when we played you the first time, and that's called a pass rush. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's Montez Sweat or the fact that our secondary is healthy now, or the fact that um, I don't think this that our quote-unquote defensive analyst gets enough credit for what's taking place because things really turn. It was kind of like a beautiful, you know, amalgamation of the fact that we finally hired our defensive consultant analyst or whatever. We trade for Montez Sweat. We get some guys healthy in there, and the defense has kind of been humming ever since, generating turnovers getting pressures, getting sacks, uh, and everything. And it's, uh, you know, it's Phil Snow. I guess he was with Carolina uh, last or, or whatever. He's been our defensive analyst. And I think with Iberflus coming back, he'll probably get uh, promoted to defensive coordinator uh, next year. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to get after this, and I'm glad that Aaron Jones is back. 
because if we win, I don't want there to be any excuses about what happened. You know, yeah. God love you, Packer fans, but the the ones like when I used to work at uh, AT and T, worked in the call center. It was like it was very divided, Bears and Packer fans. And on the rare occasion when the Bears did win the game, I, I used to to put it out on on social media that all of the ducking from the excuses being thrown around from my Packer, uh, you know, um, workmates or whatever, our coworkers are making for an unsafe work environment, you know, for all like, whoa, look at that. Like, oh, Rogers got hurt. Oh, this guy went down. Look, he wasn't here. What a bad call. And I was like, it's like everybody look out. It's, you know, so it's like, I just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want there to be yeah. any excuses if the Bears pulled this one off on Sunday. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, Jones being back is big. Um, I mean, Packers may well have their full um, complement of receiving weapons, too, in this game for the first time all season. Um, you mentioned the Bears' offensive line kind of being at full strength. Um, Packers got looked like every receiver back. Uh, at practice on on Wednesday this week, at nice. least in some capacity. So, uh, Christian Watson's missed. She's I don't know another four or five games late in the season after missing four early um, with another hamstring injury. Um, Dontavian Wicks, the the fifth round rookie who's been really impressive with Watson out. Um, he missed last week. He should be back. Seems like Jaden Reed is good to go after missing the second half this last game. Bo Melton, of all people, was the Packers' first 100-yard receiver on Sunday. I heard. Um, that, that's that's a crazy uh, a crazy stat. And, um, I mean, really the only guy that they're you – know, we'll see if Musgrave ends up coming back because he might be back in the lineup too after the whole kidney thing. So that could, could really open up some interesting options for, for Matt LaFleur on offense. Um, really the only guy that the Packers are, are – maybe missing or who would be significantly limited would be AJ Dillon. Who's got a, a broken thumb that he suffered at the end of that giants game. And um, I guess he re-aggravated it on Sunday. So, but you know, Aaron Jones coming off back to back 120 yard games on the ground. Um, the offensive line looks better. His last couple of games. Um, I, I think they found a little bit of continuity there. They still do some weird stuff at right guard, especially they, they like to rotate in uh, Sean Ryan, a second year guy for right guard, John Runyon, um, which is kind of weird. They've been splitting snaps 50, 50 last couple of weeks, but um, otherwise, you know, this unit has, has really kind of figured itself out and they did a really good job against some pretty good Minnesota pass rushers. Danil Hunter didn't sniff Jordan love all game on Sunday. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. I think that, that, matchup could well decide this game is is how the Packers offensive line holds up against the Bears defensive line. 21 players on your injury list. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. That's a pretty standard uh, Packers injury report these last couple of years. Yeah, the Bears have 7. <laughs> and uh Oh my god. The, uh, oh, they didn't put the third. It's it's only Wednesday. I'm sorry. I uh, yep. It's it's only Wednesday. I'm thinking today's Thursday because um, every week and every week I complain about it is the Mercedes Lewis rest day that puts him <laughs> on the injury list every single week uh, on Thursday. It's a Veterans Day of rest, and he's on yep. the injury report for it. And I think it's why is Pack- it even there? You know, why Packers it did it with him last couple of years too yeah. when he was in Green Bay. So I'm, I'm, we're certainly used to that too. But yeah, is of those 21 guys for for the Packers, like I said, I think the only one who did not practice on offense, um, at least in the, um, in the the 
skill position group is AJ Dillon. So yeah. it looks like they'll have a pretty pretty full group there of of weapons for Jordan Love to throw to. Yeah, El- is it Elgaton? El- Elton, yeah, Elton Jenkins is the is other the big G one. Is the G silent? It is. Okay. It is silent. That's going to yeah, make that um, a lot easier to handle from now on. It's like, how the yeah. hell do you say that? <laughs> yeah, he's that actually might be the bigger. Um, the bigger miss if if he can't go because um, he's I mean he's a Pro Bowl guard he's been the the steady guy at left guard for this team all season long so if he can't go then they got some decisions to make with all right what are we going to do with um you know with that rotation at right guard are they going to bring you know bring one of them over from right side to left side and have them both play you know play full reps so that that also makes that matchup that offensive line matchup for the Packers um, a big one this Sunday. And I know he's been out for a while, but what's going on with with Bakhtiari? I mean, is he done or, you know, I mean, I know (laughs) his his salary kind of puts him out of, uh, you know, his salary is definitely making this an issue uh, and everything. But uh, he was here, then he wasn't, then he was here, then he wasn't, and then he was done for the year. It's like, okay, so what's the story with the knee, man? Does he just need to go get a new one? I mean, what's the deal? That that would help. Um, I, I really think nobody really understands what's going on with his knee. Yeah. Um, in, including him, including the doctors. I, 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 I don't. I hate you, know, you hate to speculate, but you wonder if there's something, if there's some sort of mental block there that he feels a little discomfort, and and it's it, it's it's just not it's not right. And sure. he, you know, he, he feels like he can't go. I don't, I don't know. There was some of that, um, you know, talking about turf versus grass early in the season that he was pretty outspoken about some of that stuff too. But, um, I mean, the Packers have found a pretty good, um, pass blocker, at least in Rashid Walker, second year guy at a Penn state who has, has stepped in and, and been doing a, at least a pretty good job, um, uh, protecting Jordan love. Um, he doesn't give you much in the run game, but, um, you know, for the Packers, that's that's always kind of a bonus. So he's at least been been holding his own over there on the left side, um, kind of making the the Bakhtiari absence at least hurt a little bit less. Yeah. So, oh man, I mean, I'm 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 anxious. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm scared. You know, I'm all of the above uh, <laughs> about this game uh, on Sunday. What's what's it like on on your side of the fence as far as uh, you know? I know it's like, okay, it's just the Bears, but I think we're bringing something more to the table than we have in quite some time. Yeah, I, I think this season compared to last, you know, being in the same position, this one almost feels like the season has already been successful because mm-hmm. we got our answer on Jordan Love. That alone, I think, and, and the answer is a thumbs up, right? Right. I think that alone makes this season a success. The fact that they you know, have won at least eight games this year is, is a plus, um, you know, a lot of projections had him at five or six wins, mm-hmm. which, you know, understandable, especially with how young every, everybody was. So, I, you know, coming, coming down mid season, sitting at three and five, three and six, you know, this wasn't something we were, were looking, looking at as a realistic possibility was having a chance to just win and in, in week 18. So that alone makes this, it almost feels like the pressure's off a little bit and these young guys can just go play and, um, you know, not feel the pressure so much because they were never really supposed to compete this season. I don't think, I think there was always a chance, but that wasn't the, the, the general expectation. Um, you know, you're always kind of looking a year or two down the line um, especially given the Packers cap situation too, because they're they're pretty cap strapped this year and even next year. Twenty twenty five, we kind of talked about was was kind of the target, especially if if Love 
you know, was the guy that, that we hoped he was. So it almost feels like you're playing with a little bit of house money. Um, but you know, you want to know how the Packers feel about the bears. I mean, we're generally the, the Packers feeling is that, you know, Justin Fields isn't really, isn't really moving the needle very much. And that's, I think part of why the, you know, I, I was curious what your take on him was because, um, you know, I think there's a lot of expectation that the Bears are are, are still going to move on from him this offseason, um, at least among Packers fans. Um, but, you know, any anytime you have a chance to 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 go to the postseason with a win, control your own um, your control, your own fate there. You know, it's it's it puts you in a good position, especially with a team as young and inexperienced as this Packers team is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a. Uh... I'm I'm interested to see, you know, um, once the I mean we're already done. We're we're we were eliminated last week when you and Minnesota didn't tie, yeah, or you know, or some some odd thing like that that would have kept us alive uh, for one more week. But um, you know, it, it, obviously we're all looking forward to the to the off season to see what polls is going to do because not only do we have the number one pick, we also have number I think ten. Right now, we got two yeah. uh, picks to uh, to work with, and with the Cardinals beating e- the Eagles last week, that opens things up for the Bears as well. Because now the teams behind us, we can actually trade down and still get Marvin Harrison. Uh, you know, if that's what the Bears want to do, we because New England and the Commanders are behind us. The Commanders are two, New England at three, so we could trade down two spots and still be yep. in front of the Cardinals and get, get an extra one or a two or, you know, or whatever uh, to move down and still get what many consider to be the best overall prospect in this year's draft to add him to DJ Moore, uh, you know, and everything else on that offensive side. And maybe at 10 Brock Bowers is still there, or uh, we go after that pass rusher from UCLA or, or whatever the situation is, we can do whatever we want uh, with number 10 after we, you know, do whatever, Whatever polls is going to do, so I'm. I'm uh, I know it'll be it'll be hard to part with Marvin Harrison, but if we don't, then there's Malik Neighbors, there's Rome Undunze, I think his name is mm-hmm. from Washington, and uh, Coleman from Florida State. There are other receivers out there to be had, and uh, you know, so I, I it would suck to to, to let that one go, but uh, Ryan Poles has been doing pretty great so far, and he's got the Bears in this spot here so i i trust what he's going to do and if he moves on from fields i will not be a fan uh of that move but uh you know i'll i'll uh you know concede to his judgment on uh on that one because he's uh he's pretty much aside from like chase claypool he's been pretty much hitting home <laughs> runs uh the whole time as as the the general manager so i i would uh i would uh, have to concede to him on that one well, I will look forward to uh, the next time we talk, uh, probably sometime over the summer, uh, breaking it down and seeing what all happens in the, the next several months. Well, you know, we got to find a reason to get together during the uh, off season. Um, we could do that. Yeah, because oh, yeah. Uh, do you have NFL Plus? I do. You do. Okay, because we can uh, see if we can dig up a, a classic game to, uh, oh, yeah. to talk about. And we can do the retro rewind that I had you on for. Uh, we did that old... Uh, what, 80, 89 game the, or whatever yep. with uh, Mikowski that year. Uh-huh. 
the the instant replay game and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it'd be fun to do another one of those. And uh, absolutely, yeah, I can just tell good. you this now though. 2013 is off the table. That is, I, I wasn't even going to put so, it out cause there. Like, so, because the anniversary of that just passed a few days yeah. ago, and I was like, just shoot me now. Just <laughs> shoot me now. You we, know? We, we did that game on one of our podcasts about two years ago. So, uh, yeah, won't, uh, won't make you relive that one. Oh, <laughs> it was such a great game, too, man. And yep. for... For Conti to just piss it all away on that one play like that, it, and to make it just like, oh yeah, this was a joke all along. We shouldn't have, it should have never been this close because Aaron Rodgers is brilliant and he's playing against the Bears. So here's his magic moment, and not only did you know Cobb catch the touchdown, but he was so wide open it was obscene, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. And of course, the Bears piss it away in the most crucial moment ever, yep. and you know, Peppers misses him in in the backfield and. Conti didn't get the the audible, so of course Cobb is wide open, and yeah, I I, I, I watched it about five or six times, and it hurt every single time because <laughs> I just kept waiting for Cobb to drop it. You know, I just kept waiting for him to drop yep. it, hits him in the face mask, something. Please, just one time, one time. You know, let me imagine that something else. And nope, every time he catches it, and you know, gets sacked right as or gets tackled right as he's crossing the goal line. Of course, it's too late. And, Oh, that one, that one hurts, oh, man. That one hurts bad. So, well, we'll figure it out, right, and well, uh, we'll find something else to talk about during the uh, during the off season. Where can we keep up with you? Uh, where can we keep up with you in the meantime? Yeah, you can always find us at acmepackingcompany.com, at acmepackingco on Twitter. I'm at Tex Western. Um, you can find the, the APC podcast feed uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. Like I said, it's usually me and Justice breaking down uh, Packers games immediately afterwards, um, usually in the feed on Mondays. So we'll certainly be, be talking about it in, uh, and on the Monday pod uh, this week. And, uh, you know, if, if all goes well for us, you know, another week or two beyond that. So we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. <laughs> Evan Western, watch out, girls. He's married. He's off to market. Officially, it's done. Uh, had to go overseas to do it, but it's done. And, uh, you know, does that mean is it legal in the States when you get Absolutely. married over there? I Yeah, U.S. and U.K. Uh, acknowledge each other's marriage certificates. And oh, I was bound go. and determined that uh, we, we wanted to, to get get it legal and done over in Scotland, not uh, not just do like a civil ceremony over here and then have kind of a, a ceremonial thing over there. We wanted sure. the, the real thing stamped and, and signed over there. So, um, yeah, it's it's all it's all good. It's legit. It was a great time. And, um, yeah, there's can't I regret nothing. Regret, regret nothing. nothing. There you go. Yeah. Evan so. Weston, everybody. Thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you again soon. You bet, man. Go Pack Go. As always, despite his terrible allegiance to that team up north, Evan has always been one of my favorite people to have uh, on the show. And uh, we look forward to having him back on, possibly to talk about if we do a game over the for the Retro Rewind over the offseason, we're picking a game the Bears won. Because the last time, the first time, the only time I've ever had Evan on the show to do a Packers game, we picked a game the Bears lost. So we're picking one that we won next time. All right? And just for... Actually, I don't think we can. But well, anyway, we'll figure it out. But we're picking a game the Bears won, and I know there weren't there aren't many to choose from. 
but uh, we'll find one and we'll uh, we'll play that one. So, but uh, keys to the game as we wrap things up here, our last preview episode of the season. Uh, very sad that it's all coming to an end, but uh, hey, what are you going to do? So, um, first key is to not get comfortable. You know, never mind rumors saying that you're you're that you're going to be back. That uh, you know, never mind if we have a lead. I want all gas, no brakes for the entire sixty minutes. You know, I don't want to see any of that complacency uh, on offense that Luke Getzey loves to throw in there. Anytime we get a lead uh, in a football game, especially if that lead is in the second half, I want Luke Getzey to be after him the entire game. You know, just like we were with the Falcons, we steady throwing the ball uh, downfield. The offensive line did a great job giving Justin protection, letting them find guys downfield. You know, DJ Moore and, uh, you know, and Tyler Scott, unfortunately, wasn't coming down with them. But what are you going to do? You know, the shots were there and uh, Justin put them in the right place. And we scored 37 points last week. You know, it's uh, yeah, we're trending in that direction. I love it a lot. And speaking of Luke Getze, zero screen passes on Sunday. Please, I don't want to see one, all right? They never really work to begin with. All they do is lose drives and stall out yards. It is very, very rare that those plays are ever successful. I saw a tweet, I think it was from our good friend Eric Lambert from Sports Mockery, that said that uh, Justin Fields has thrown 46 screen passes this year, which doesn't sound like a high enough number, quite frankly. But nonetheless, he's thrown 46 screen passes. He's completed 36 of them. So somehow we had 10 incompletions on these goddamn screen plays for like 156 yards and an interception, which means we never scored on these plays. And 36 catches generated 156 yards of offense. If that isn't enough of a reason to rip that page out of the playbook, I don't know what is. Okay, it's like Luke Getze has been living off that screenplay in the preseason against the Titans working for a 75-yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage all season long because it's like he keeps waiting for that to happen again, and it hasn't. Not once. Not once. We got 75 yards on that play in the preseason, which means we got roughly half of the yards we've generated across 17 games or 16 games in one play, 75 yards versus 156 over the course of 16 games and all the screen passes. Or actually, it's more like 12 games because uh, Fields is out for a while. But still, over 12 games, 46 screen passes. That's a minimum of three, three plus, almost four uh, a game. And 156 yards total on 36 catches. Stop. Just don't. Just don't. Let's throw the ball down the field because you've got a quarterback that can throw a football through a steel wall if you wanted him to. Let him throw the ball downfield. Let's attack the middle of the field. As you just heard Evan Western talking about, you know, as far as the weakness of a Joe Barry defense is down the middle of the field. So I want to see lots of seam routes and slants against this defense until Joe Barry figures out how to stop it. So I want to see that. I don't want to see screenplays when their weakness is in the middle of the field. So let's attack the middle of the field. And isn't it crazy that it's something I've been saying since the start of the fucking season? 
God help me. All right? And then finally, as my good friend from one of my favorite movies growing up, Ed Gennaro from Necessary Roughness would say, You know how to play when it's time goes football. You go out there, you tear your fucking heads off, and you shit down the necks. Goddamn right, Ed. We got to go out there and dominate this game. Because one of the things that was most irritating to me about that loss week one wasn't so much that we lost another goddamn game to the Packers. It's that we got our asses kicked on both sides of the ball. We were dominated up front on both sides of the ball. So not only did we get outcoached, but we were fucking outplayed in, in a monstrous way week one against the Packers. And we are a much better football team than the one that showed up week one against the Packers. But they're playing good football too. And But it's like with our offensive line, this is the closest we're going to get or that we've gotten to the quote-unquote five best on the field. Okay, we got Darnell Wright and Nate Davis on the right, Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins on the left, and we got Lucas Patrick in the middle instead of uh, Cody White here. And, I mean, it's funny. I think we talked about it uh, with Evan. I don't remember if that was before or during the conversation, but, um, you know, we we never saw that starting five play together in the regular season. It never happened once. It did not happen. Somebody was always out. Somebody was missing. You know, J.T. Carter was getting thrown in there uh, and all that kind of stuff. You know, Larry Borum uh, in and out of the lineup playing for, uh, you know, Braxton Jones and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, by the time that everybody else was healthy, Cody Whitehair had been benched and Lucas Patrick was our center. So we've got our five guys that have played together for the last few weeks and, you know, we had to play without Tevin last week against the Cardinal or two weeks ago against the Cardinals. Cody Whitehair did fine. You know, you didn't notice him. I guess that's kind of what the, the best trait is of an offensive lineman is that you hardly notice that he's there because um, he's playing, he's doing his job and not getting called for holding penalties or, you know, getting beat for sacks and that kind of thing. But be aggressive. Go out there and, and steal this game. Do what the Lions did last year. It is very much setting up for history to repeat itself because the exact same thing that happened to set up this game last year happened. The, uh, the Packers dominated the Vikings in the game before the finale. And in the finale, they were at home winning your in against the Lions and they got their asses kicked by the Lions. So I would very much love for history to repeat itself for the Bears who, like the Lions, were one of the worst teams in the league in the first half of the season but after an 0-4 start, we've gone 7-5, and and we win. We are, uh, this is our, our Super Bowl, if you will. I mean, just to take a phrase from Aaron Rodgers, sorry, son of a bitch, that, you know, this is the biggest game of the year for us. We've got everything to play for here. We're not going to the playoffs. And if, if you know, and, and speaking in, in a morbid sense, this might be our last chance as a team to play together. You know, I think Justin Fields even mentioned that going into the home game against the Falcons last Sunday. This might be the last time we play together at home. And this might be the last time they play together, period. So let's make it count. Let's go and put together a victory that we'll remember for the rest of our lives. And, uh, you know, like Ed said. You know how to play winning time those footballs. You go out there. You take that fucking heads off 
and you shit down the next. <laughs> Ain't nothing to it but to do it. That's going to do it for us, guys. Come back on Monday. I don't know. Maybe I'll still be alive if we lose. <laughs> Come back. See how I took it. Win or lose, there will be knee-jerk reactions, I promise. Uh, it will, we'll break it all down. We'll talk about this football game. How did it all go? Did we, are we setting ourselves up to be the lions of 2024 that look like a team with potential? And then, you know, you spend the off season, we're getting hyped up and everybody's excited. And because we got everything that we did this, this, that, and the other with our football team. And we're looking like we're going to be trouble, not only for the division, but for everybody else. Got to win in, we got to win in green Bay if we're going to be that team. So Step one, win on Sunday, and the future will take care of itself. Come back on Monday, see how it all goes, and until then, my name is Larry D., and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.